Folks, in our youth, when our careers were growing and expenses were high, we needed to get the most from our savings and the money we invested in the market. As we age, we need a safer strategy, one that can protect against market loss. We need to keep our hard-earned principles safe while allowing growth to provide us with reliable retirement income. Therefore, to learn about reliable retirement income, I highly recommend Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. Financial security will help you Special edition, second hour, the total financial hour. I'm Eric Halaby. Our plan for you is simple. First of all, you're going to have to call to sign up for the May 30th, May 30th event in Glendale at 6 p.m. It's the same phone number, so when you call in, you're going to talk to the call screener. Just say, hey, I want to sign up for the May 30th event in Glendale. You have to leave your name and your phone number. Now, I know that... uh, uh, a lady called a little earlier and says, I don't have a voicemail. I understand. So you have two choices. You can leave your name and phone number. We'll, we'll call you back this week, tomorrow. We'll, our staff will be in the office, of course. Or you can call back Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 at that same phone number. And it's routed directly to my office. My staff will answer the phone. Now, uh, the only thing I can't do is I can't promise you a spot because we don't know who you are. Right. So if we have your name and your number... You leave it with us with the call screen. If you want to ask a question, certainly he'll put you on. But if not, it's not a problem. Leave your name and number. We'll sign you up. We only have room for 20 folks. So if you can make it, fantastic. If you can't, uh, you need to tell us as soon as you can. Just out of courtesy for others, please. That would be helpful. Uh, I know my audience is a polite and courteous bunch. Uh, Larry Elder will be there as well to help get the evening started. All right. Uh, As we continue with this special edition, second hour of the program, I know a lot of you were concerned about what's happening with this trade war with China, with what's going on in the political world. How is that going to affect you? How is, in my opinion, there is a problem that's brewing. How is the homelessness crisis, especially right here in Southern California? But some of you know that I I was in San Francisco a couple weeks ago for a a conference just for a few days. I, I don't know if you've been there lately, but I can tell you, I was there about four years ago. What a beautiful place. It's still beautiful. If you looked at pictures, it's stunning. If you had a, a television camera uh, you know, uh, that, that was driving around the city, beautiful. But if you had smell-o-vision, it was horrible. Why do I say smell-o-vision? Very simple. You couldn't walk a half a block without the smell of marijuana or, and to be polite on a Sunday morning, the smell of a restroom. I took pictures after numerous times of seeing the hypodermic needles everywhere. Drug paraphernalia everywhere. People would leave food items like you leave food out for a cat. You know, you have a stray cat or a lady or a man might uh, leave food out on the the porch for a, a stray kitten. Or you have birds, pigeons, and you might leave something up on a bird feeder. They had food in styrofoam containers left on ledges. And I couldn't, I thought, oh, somebody caught a bus and forgot their food. We started seeing it everywhere. You open it up or you look at it or it's popped open and it's 
Chinese food. It's rice. It's chicken. And instead of dealing with the problem, the politicians and some of the people in in, uh, San Francisco decided one thing. And that was, you don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to make them feel bad about feeling bad, so don't feel bad because I'm offending you. You've heard me talk about this, guys. Listen, I think you need to know something. If you are offended, that is you that has the problem, not, not the other person. If somebody says something and there's a room full of 10 people and one of you is offended, do you understand that you're the variable? Now, I'm not talking about unacceptable office uh, cursing, right? Uh, the behavior, the rude, the crude conduct. I'm not talking about uh, touching the, the sexual harassment. That's not what I'm talking about. But today people are so sensitive about being offended about being offended. And then I'm offended that you're offended. And then everybody's running around acting like plastic little paper dolls where everybody's supposed to nod and think that they're the same. Listen, you, you got to kind of think about this for a minute. What road are you going down? Maybe you should get a little bit thicker skin. Listen, I understand. I don't want to be rude on purpose, but sometimes people are rude when I get a coffee. Sometimes people are rude when I go to the parking thing to, t- to pay for my park. I don't take it personally. They don't know who I am. I don't care what they think. I go, wow, guess that guy's having a bad day. Next. And I forget about him in 42 seconds. Some of you have to write letters. You're offended that you're, you know, four generations and, you know, you, you thought the way they meant and what they said and what they could have been. And golly, really? What happened to you guys being the land of the, the free and the brave? It's not the free with an asterisk. Yeah, except for hate speech. Except if you offend me. You're free, but you can't say this, do this or walk like that. You're brave as long as, you know, everybody talks with you and agrees with you, but don't filter out the things that I don't agree with because otherwise then you're, you're offending me. Be very careful about that because when you translate that into money, you translate those into dollars, here's what you end up with. You end up with, oh, I'm going to only invest in, I'm going to only save in socially acceptable. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Socially acceptable for who? My nephew was taking some classes the other day in high school, and he said, "Yeah, my last class I'm taking, and I got to take, uh, uh, I got to take the final exam." I said, "Oh, great! What's the class?" Social justice. I'm like, "Are you kidding?" You can put an asterisk or parentheses and say, "Social." Really? I'm going to be nice, but I want to tell you something. You know how you control people. You control people by saying things like, what you're saying is not fair. Not fair. Because fair is a four-letter word, and fair is very subjective. If I want to control you, if I want to dictate your behavior, I'm going to talk about fair. Fair tax, social justice, reasonable rules when it comes to guns or whatever. Reasonable. Okay, well, reasonable. When you hear the word reasonable, you run it through a filter, and in your mind you say, yes, they hear something else, she hears something else, and if you're the person enacting the law, you hear something else. So you put together the law, the the governor, the president signs it, 
And you go, wait a second, that's not what I was thinking. Of course not, because nobody defined it. You used happy words like social justice. Who's against social justice? Stand up. Really? Nobody. And then they tax you, and you have homeless people everywhere, and everybody's afraid to say this is not acceptable because you don't want to be branded a racist, bigot, homelessophobe. I don't know. Right? We've got to think of a word. I'm going to brand a word. Can you guys give me a word for that? What's a homelessophobe? Homeless. We used to call them bums. Remember vagrants, bums? Now I guess it's offensive to call somebody a bum. I'll tell you what. When I was sleeping on the couch and my dad came in, he goes, don't be a bum. Get up. Mow the lawn. I wasn't offended. You know what I did? I mowed the lawn. Because I was living in his house. Right? If you're somebody and your mental capacity is only to go so far in life, that is okay. We need people in every job, every fiscal responsibility. I told you when in front of my office when people come out and they beg, uh, they'll say, hey, can I, do you have any money, sir? Can I have some money? I'll tell you what. This is exactly what I say word for word. You can ask anybody who's been with me. I'll say, sir, I respect you way too much to give you money for just existing. But if you will clean the trash from this corner of the block to this corner of the block, and it's maybe, I don't know, 300 yards or something. If you will pick up the trash between, I will come back and I will give you $5. Now, they were just asking for a dollar. And I said, if you will work for your money, I will give you $5. So when you're done, come back in my office and get me. And then what I do is I walk out and I walk with them. It's funny how their shoulders are back, their chin is up, the pride that they feel. Now, maybe to you that's, oh, that's so degrading. Oh, picking up trash. Oh, but to them, they did a job and they were paid for it. And somebody said, thank you. And I said, I appreciate you. Most of you ignore them. You walk by them. You set out food like it's a, like if it's a pet cat. And you say, boy, am I a respectful, decent human being. No. Folks, they are God's children. You wouldn't expect to be paid to just sit at your desk. But you don't understand. I showed up. Well, yeah, that's okay. That's half the battle. But you got to produce. What is it going to mean to you if you're going to stay in California when you retire? or in the next few years of working years, expect enormous amounts of taxes. What happened to Seattle just recently? Seattle taxed companies for having employees. That means if you have an employee in the city of Seattle, you have to pay an additional tax. Let me tell you what happens here in California. In 2015, California did not meet its obligations to the federal government. Since they cannot print their own money, they borrowed money from the federal government. Hence, the Obama administration, in case you have a notepad. And you're keeping notes. 2015 was before President Trump and the evil Republicans. And when, when California borrowed money, they didn't pay it back. So in 2016, they came to me and everybody else who employed people, and they said, you have to pay $150 per employee. Now, I think I had six or eight employees. I had to pay $150 per employee. Toyota saw the writing on the wall. They said, you know what? California consistently is a difficult place to work. 
we have thousands plus employees, whatever it is. When you carry the one and divide by, this is an enormous expense. We're out of here. So Toyota goes to Plano, Texas. The next year, California still didn't meet its budget. They're still doing this boondoggle of a thing called the the uh, oh, 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 the train. You guys remember that? The high-speed rail? And just so you know, that was being, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of coming together right about the same time. And the first $100 million contract, $100 million. Now, I don't know about you, but I could do a lot with $100 million. You know how many jobs programs I would get started? Do you know how many single moms I would get back to school with $100 million? Do you know how many kids that, that go to bed hungry that are wearing shoes two sizes too small? Do you know how many of those kids I would, I would clothe and feed and get them back on their feet? But no, no. Governor Brown, Kevin DeLeon, and the others gave $100 million to Dianne Feinstein's husband. Husband. And his company to start the, quote, surveying of the area. Surveying. What a mess. They stole from you. And then this is what they did the second time. Why does it affect your retirement? Very simple. Because then the next year, they still didn't meet it. So I had to pay $175 per employee. At that time, Nestle, right here in Glendale, says, "Uh, we're out of here. We're going to Virginia. And the state of Virginia says, man, we have a pretty good budget. We have great employees. We have an educated workforce. I'll tell you what we're going to do, says Virginia. We're going to give you land. We've got a lot of land. By the way, California has a lot of land, too. Just fly over. Right? Not in L.A., not in San Francisco, but, you know, you've got land all throughout the desert. If Israel can make the desert bloom, why can't California? Land everywhere. So Nestle leaves, goes to Virginia. Then, of course, 2018. You would think, wow, California's going to be scared. They're like, okay, 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 guys, enough. Enough is enough. We will fix our mess, says the governor. Not. And so what happened? Simple enough. They now taxed me $200 per employee. 200 Does it look like there's any light at the end of the tunnel? Because what do people do? They stop hiring people. We have 800 uh, positions to fill. We're going to only fill 600. What does Seattle do? The far lefty organizations, when they want to take your money, when Amazon and Apple, when they want to take your money, it's no problem. But suddenly they're going to have to pay more. So what do they do? Oh, well, that's not fair. I love that. It's not fair. We're businesses trying to employ people. Well, they're right. But I wish they would have some intellectual honesty, stay pure to that idea, and keep the heck out of Dodge when it comes to dealing with cities and states that are going to tax you. Why do you think Elon Musk, Tesla, where did they build the Gigafactory? A stone's throw over the California border into Nevada. I was just in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, at another conference. We got a lot of these things. First part of the year is always a lot of uh, what's happening in the year, in the next coming 12 months, etc. So you always get a lot of information from me on these conferences. And my job is to stay up to date. It's to stay trained. And I was just in Phoenix. 
We have some clients in Phoenix, so we went out to dinner with them. Had a nice time. Wonderful time, actually. And they said, Eric, we are shocked because gas prices just started creeping up to almost $3 a gallon. I said, uh, we've been at uh, almost $4 a gallon, and, and in some cases, over 4 And they said, Eric, you could buy an amazing house here. People are living wonderfully here. Why do you think... The elite in California. I think one of you should do an investigation. Take a look at the far left folks. Take a look at this progressive. Not liberals. Liberals are pretty good people. I used to be one, right? But the ideas of John F. Kennedy and some of the liberals, you know, most of us don't agree with with everything that any political party or any individual ever says. But you would definitely say today the progressive left is not close to what the real Democrat Party used to be like. Why is that important to you? Because if you're going to stay in California when you retire, you're going to have to expect some random, weird, in fact, very expensive, weird taxes that are going to pop up, whether it's sales tax, whether it's another income tax, whether it's stuff for the children. It's for the children. If I want to take money from you, I make you feel like a racist a bigot, if I can't guilt you into it or or shame you, then I'm going to say things like, hey, come on, it's for the children. It's for older people. Whenever a politician does that, you have to look and say, look, uh, there's some good guys and gals in the world. I don't know, know, a lot of good people avoid politics these days because the, the far extremes just attack them for no reason. So I get it. I didn't pay my maid. I didn't pay her uh, her payroll tax in 1992. So um, I guess I can't be senator. What the heck does one have to do with the other? You guys are going to have to fight for this because the listeners on AM870, you guys are a minority. Number one is you're pretty smart. And number two is you generally have a bit more influence than you know. Your retirement, if you are going to stay here, you have to plan for a rocky ride. Pension plans, my friends, are not what they expect. Now, if you're collecting a pension, okay, that's fine. You'll probably be okay. But you can expect them to stop giving pay raises. Right? There's a couple pensions where they actually give a guaranteed 2 or 3% pay. It's built into the contract. Whether there's inflation, deflation, good years, bad years, you're getting 2 or 3% every year, come heck or high water. That's a great pension if you can get it. But you know and you understand that that can't continue. There just isn't money for it. I mean, I get that they signed the contract and you don't understand, and I gave up a vacation day in 1984, and there still isn't money for it. So I think they're going to have to make changes in some of the benefits. Number two is, I think they're going to raise taxes. Now, that's the problem. If you think $120,000 a year is good for you to live on in retirement, you might be counting in a certain amount of tax revenue coming out of your pocket and going the other direction. But I think, I think you're going to have to worry about something very important. They're going to start making you feel guilty. Guilty for having a house. If your house is paid off, 
Take a look at uh, Prop 13. They will go after Prop 13 like nobody's business, my friend. Now, they're trying all sorts of little revenue sneaky sneaky deals. You know how California is doing this? Um, let me pull it up here. They're doing this fancy thing called, we are not going to allow President Trump and the Trump tax law to not allow Californians to write off the state income tax. You see, in California, you pay many taxes. Property tax, sales tax, and income tax, to name a few. In other states, they either have nothing of one of those or much lower of all three. Right. So, for example, in Washington, no income tax, but their property tax is a little bit less, but about the same as California. In Texas, they don't have any income tax. Sales tax is lower, but property tax is a little higher. Right. So there's a little bit of a balance there. I mean, you've got to understand that. This new mandatory solar the state of California. I hope you're taking notes because I'm going to tell you this is important. One year ago, I think it was February, March of last year. California produced more energy than it could sell. They continue to charge you electric bills instead of saying, hey, guys, we produced more than we needed. So they went to the other states and they said, who wants to buy our electricity? And the other states said, no, we're good. We don't need any. We don't need any electricity. <laughs> so you know what the other states said? They said, I'll tell you what, if you give it to us for free, we'll take it. Now, they instead of stopping producing it here in California, because, right, you have overtime and people getting paychecks and union pensions, and, and we can't, you know, these, these are employees that are, are living off this, this revenue. Instead of saying, hey, guys, we, may, we did better than we thought, what they did is they're going to every single person in California and saying, nope, all is good. You guys keep paying your electric bill. And then they gave away electricity for free. Arizona said, we'll take it for free. Nevada said, we'll take it for free. Is that not crazy? You guys put solar on your house. You guys paid your electric bill like you were supposed to. And the utility agencies in the state of California gave it away to other states. And now this amazing, incredible, well-intentioned well and, and insightful governor decided that he's going to mandate that all new homes have to have, what is it, 20%, some sort of a revenue, right, of new homes have to have solar. Folks, what do you think that does to the price of the home? And what do you think that does when they are not cutting back on salaries, they're not cutting back on pensions, they're not cutting back on benefits to the workers, and you now have fewer people paying their electric bill? The others are getting solar. That means theirs are free, right, basically. And a few of you are still paying. What do you think is going to happen to those of you that are still paying? Do you think your price will, oh, I don't know, let's do the math, uh, go up? Probably. Because there should be much fewer folks working for water and power, much fewer uh, people and employees working for Southern California Edison, and on and on. 
Now, I'm not saying to fire them. I like them. They, they're our clients. They're good people. What I'm saying is the politicians are creating a scenario where they think because they feel a certain way that the math must follow. It doesn't work that way. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Something's wrong. I don't know if we're supposed to be the fifth largest economy in the world. Well, of course you're the fifth largest economy. You don't pay for defense, right? You don't pay for international travel. You don't pay for anything the federal government pays for. And then they skew the numbers. They play with percentages and they say California is a net payer increaser of taxes before it gets, you know, 20 cents for every dollar. That's all a shell game. It is a phony game. California has decided to have very few people at the top dictate you and your money is going to be used to support these clowns. I don't know if that's the right word. Can you say that? I just did. So I don't have a delay button. So otherwise I would take it back. I wouldn't have said the word clowns when I referred to Kevin DeLeon and Governor Brown and Gavin Newsom and these folks that are socialists. Nice people, I'm sure. You know, except for Kimberly, Kimberly Guilfoyle, right? She was married to Gavin Newsom. She doesn't think he's a nice guy, but hey, that's just me talking. We're going to continue when we come back on your place for news, talk, and information. I am Arif Hallaby. Total Financial Hour. It's our second uh, hour special edition, talking about your family's finances, why I think California is on the wrong track. Maybe some things that you can do to fight back before we lose this state. Stay tuned on AM 870, The Answer. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Arab Halaby. You're listening to the Total Financial Hour on AM870 The Answer. As we finish up this hour of the program, I want you to pay attention to a couple of things. I'm all about symbolism over substance, right? Think about when you raise your children or your grandchildren or your younger siblings, right? Your job was to make sure that you led by example, right? You've heard a lot of the don't do what I say, you know, don't do what I do, do what I say, right? You've heard that term, <laughs> especially when your parents light up a cigarette and they say, you better not be smoking. You're like, what? Don't do what I say or do what I do. So here's what California does. We get so excited about this. Do you know that there are, uh, I'm going to read this to you. See if you've ever heard of this. You might have seen this proposition every single place you go. It's called the Safe Drinking Water and Toxic Enforcement Act. Okay, now how many of you think we should have unsafe water? Or we should have toxic environments. So here's what they do. It's really kind of fun. They have this sign that says, this is important, ready? Even Disneyland has it. I'm going to read you the Disneyland sign. The Disneyland Resort contains chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer and birth defects and other reproductive harms. Proposition 65, section 25249. So you might say, well, that's good. That's good. But they put the sign everywhere. If you have anything plastic, if you have 
gasoline. It used to be like, wow, I didn't know if I went into a restaurant that they would have chemicals known to the state of California. Well, yeah, because they have plastic tablecloths. So it applies to everything, everywhere. So this Proposition 65, they spend millions of dollars. All of us pass it. Yay, we want safe, clean water. We want safe whatever. And everything's good. We're all done. Everything's over. woo And they just put the sign up everywhere. Who does that make rich? Who, who does it help? Well, it makes the attorneys wealthy. Remember the Trevor Law Group? Remember those guys? They, they hired a guy in a wheelchair. He went into all these auto mechanic places and and uh, said, oh, there's no bathroom stall or I can't get my wheelchair in the hallway. And then they come in and they sue. And then they say, all right, listen, how much? $10,000. And they split it. I don't know, 60, 40, whatever they did. So the guy in the wheelchair, he got a few bucks. The Trevor Law Group made some money. And they were doing this on and on and on and on. A radio show here in California, in Los Angeles, actually covered this and made a big deal about it. It hit it national news. And I think the Trevor Law Group went defunct. Bye-bye. But how often does that stuff happen? Listen, just like anybody, if the if the law firm, if the system doesn't get greedy, these guys can stick around for a long time. Do your research on who supports, right? Uh, the Proposition 65 on the ballot is supported by uh, the Citizens for Safe Drinking Water. Well, who cares? Of course it is. They create this little corporation. Ten minutes later, it goes belly up. After the election, it's over. So they put this Proposition 65, look around for it, it's everywhere, it doesn't matter anymore. Symbolism over substance, right? I don't see that on the right. If it was, folks, I would tell you, I don't really care about, right? I have some things I agree with on one side, some on the other, but uh, listen, today, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a sad state of affairs. Here's another one, ready? Handicapped bathrooms. Now, all I know is 100% of the time in recent memory, going into a public restroom, the handicap stall is just a guy or a gal that walks in and out, right? So not a gal, but it's a, it's a guy that walks out. He's not somebody that, uh, that's nice. He has more room, right? If I was in an airport, I just put my luggage in there. But you understand that I get the purpose of it. If you're traveling in a wheelchair, you need greater space. But that's not what happens. Everybody uses it. So when the person in the wheelchair comes in, well, got to wait in line. Take a look at some of the, the parking lots. You have 45 empty spots, handicapped parking. Now, listen, I have parents that need to use that, and I appreciate that. But who said there should be 45? Maybe there should be 10. Maybe it should be 20. I don't know what the number is. But they feel good. They check a box. Right? And they have all these empty spots. Carpool lanes. Traffic is backed up. Looks like a parking lot coming out of Dodger Stadium, coming out of the Angels game. And you take a look, and the high occupancy, now they call it HOV, because you know why? They're going to change it to three. Once enough people start using it, two, because it used to be carpool, two. I have two people. I'm carpool. Not anymore. Now it's called HOV, high occupancy vehicle. People are traveling at 60 miles an hour, and you're bumper to bumper. Ooh, we made a difference. We got all that gas fumes going in the air instead of making it so all lanes. Now, can you point to numerous occasions where those things work? Of course you can. I'm not talking about a specific. I'm talking about how the political world, especially here in California, 
uses guilt, uses your the word fair, uses their own math formulas to take from you, and you're going to be stuck trying to figure it out. Trying to figure out how am I supposed to come up with enough money to retire and to live comfortably or to leave money to my children or my grandchildren. I give you those examples because I think symbolism over substance is what drives people down the road of thinking and considering the poor decisions, right? When, when math is not done properly, they just say, well, yeah, I know that math isn't right, but hey, don't worry, but at least we felt good. And you've heard me say it, and I'm going to say it again until you say it in your sleep. I don't care if one plus one makes you feel like it's six, or if you really, really believe one plus one is 12, or if you're really loud and you, and you have your, your uh, blue hair and you're going to protest on the corner with a big sign. Then you say, one plus one is 42. Well, that's nice, but really it's two. I don't care if you're carrying your AK-47 over your shoulder because it's an open carry state. And you have a sign that says one plus one is nine. Folks, it doesn't matter where you are. One plus one is two. And when you take away math, reading, writing, arithmetic, you take that away from schools, what do you get? You get, let me teach a five-year-old how to, uh, uh, you know, sex ed and that Jimmy has two daddies. Let me teach a four-year-old. I don't know, maybe that to me is a little bit early. Or maybe it belongs in your hands as a parent to decide when and how you're going to teach that. Maybe it's the school's responsibility to go back to teaching history and civics, how government works. Why the First Amendment is way more important. Because when they take away the second, you know what goes next? The first. And my friend said, well, Eric, if you don't understand, there wasn't AK-47 semi-automatic weapons when they were creating the uh, Second Amendment. Yep, you're right. There wasn't television, radio, or the Internet when they created the First Amendment. So you better not tell me when you get to have your um, arguments about the flexibility of the Constitution. Because the government's job is to find ways to get out of the way, not to find ways and another law to pass. You know, listen, I had a friend that um, that was running for a legislative position. And I thought about it for a while. That's oh, kind of interesting, you know, maybe. Who knows? And I saw what they did, and, and I went up to Sacramento, and I talked to him, and, and he said, you know, Eric, what we do is we find ways to spend more money. I said, what do you mean? Shouldn't you find ways to like cut regulations and we don't need this and this is outdated and this is duplicated? And he said, nope, that's not what happens. In Sacramento, you have the Democrats spend money in one direction and the Republicans in another, but they both spend money. I said, you know, when I was thinking about coming up to visit you, you know, it's pretty cool. It's nice. I wasn't thinking, oh gosh, there's this one law that if only they pass, the rest of the world is better. And if you tell me that the eighth year of President Obama was trying to get, he passed this law on drinking water, et cetera, clean, you mean drinking water, clean drinking water wasn't important in the first year or with Bill Clinton or with Jimmy Carter? You mean nobody else had, I'm just talking on the, the Dems, right? You mean to tell me that none of them 
felt clean drinking water was an issue, and suddenly, poof, it popped up. Fracking, oh my gosh, really? We have more oil in this state than most other states in the country. We have refineries. We have a port that brings oil right up to us. And yet we're paying $1.50, sometimes $2 more a gallon of gas than areas that have to truck in the fuel. Maybe that's right. I, I, maybe we should. Oh, gosh, we have the weather. I guess. But here's a rule that they're not going to like me sharing with you. Very simply. If you have a vacation home in California and your primary residence, which means you spend the majority of the time outside of California, your retirement income is not taxed in California. Just like you have a retirement home in Aspen, Colorado, or the Hamptons, or in Miami Beach, that's fine. You don't pay income tax in those places. Now, if you, if you make money here in California, you have to pay taxes in California on that revenue, unless it's paid to a, a corporation that's outside, right? You talk to your CPAs and your, your tax attorneys. There's a reason that companies moved to uh, Wyoming and Nevada and Ireland and Puerto Rico, etc. Right? Whether that fits your situation, I'm, I'm not here to discuss that. But during the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009, the pension plans that you thought were safe and secure lost about 25% of its value. Now, let me make that clear. If you were earning $4,000 a month, during that financial crisis, your paycheck, if you wanted to, quote, be fair, should have been reduced by $1,000 a month. That means you should have only made $3,000 a month. Now, that's important you understand that because you would never do that. Your union would never negotiate that. The city, the county, state would never say that's okay. But if you're in it as a participant, as we're all in this together, you know, we're, we're kumbaya, then you should rise and fall with the pension plan. Now, a bit tongue-in-cheek. Okay, I get it. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But remember this. Whether or not you have a steady paycheck in retirement from a pension plan is not subject to math. There is no math. There is no formula that says, hey, you know what? One plus one is two, and the market is up, so I get a pay raise, and, and the inflation is down. And no, no, it's come heck or high water, every month you get the paycheck. And they expected you to die at 68 years old. You know that? You're not supposed to be around. And mathematically, you're still alive. And this is kind of fun, in quotes, fun fact. The average age of a widow is about 54 years old. So now you have a husband who has a pension, leaves it to his wife. She inherits it at 54 years old. Now, let's say she's comes from a, a healthy background, you know, genetically speaking. She doesn't drink. She walks every once in a while, works out maybe a little bit, maybe has a shake for breakfast or lunch. Maybe she doesn't eat as much red meat and she watches her blood pressure and she's pretty good with sweets, right, as far as moderation goes. 
What do you think? 40 more years? 35? On this planet? Now you have a 54-year-old lady who has 35 years of a pension left. They expected her husband to die. And he died early. Too bad, sorry. But their formula accounted for that. And not to give the wife the pension. But through negotiations and da-da-da, she gets it. I think she should. That's right. There's no problem there. I'm not saying to, to fight that. What I'm saying is the math never accounted for that. It never accounted for it. So how is somebody supposed to pay that out? They will go to the rest of you that are working, and they're going to tax your paycheck. They have to. If I was king for a day, right, this is without all the details and the math. I'm just going to kind of go off of generalities, but I'm, I'm going to be pretty close, pretty close. If I was king for a day, Arif, you think you're so darn smart, smarty pants. Why don't you fix the pension system? Okay. Hey, let me swing for it. Put me in, coach. I got a shot. Every employee, you have a pension plan, you have to work till age 60, minimum, or 30 years. You can't retire. Now, listen, if at age 60 you've only worked 22 years, you got to work to 67. 30 years and age 60, you have to put in 15% of your paycheck. Oof, that's a lot of money. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But chances of you living longer than you worked are pretty big. And remember 30 years ago when you started, you were making $8.10 an hour. 30 years from now, when you're 90 years old still collecting a pension, it's a lot more than $8.10 an hour. Because inflation affected the pay, it also affects the pension. So that's number one. Number two is, I would say, hey, listen, employee, the maximum you can get, it doesn't matter, come heck or high water, the maximum you can receive, 66% of your pay, two-thirds. But Arif, what about the rest? Then we say, employee, you need to start putting inside in your own money, your 457, your 401k. And employee, here's what else you need to do. You need to figure out how to be debt-free. You have to take financial courses every year. Because, employee, you are a liability to us. If you can't manage your financial life, employee, you are a problem. You come into work stressed. You make bad decisions. Heck, some of you even compromise your integrity. The federal government doesn't allow you to get a job with them. In fact, you work for certain agencies in the federal government that will be unnamed. And you have a bankruptcy Bye-bye. Bye-bye, security clearance. Bye-bye, job. You have uh, debts, liens against you. Bye-bye. Go work over there. Why do they do that? So you can't be blackmailed. You can't be compromised. Now, I don't think we go that far, of course. It's ridiculous. But as a regular employee, we say, hey, listen, here's how it works. Here's why having credit card debt is bad. Here's why having student loan debt is bad. But I promised my daughter when she was two, she could go to Stanford. I, you know what? Tough luck. I'm sorry. You, you, you didn't marry that guy. You married a guy who left. 
or you married a guy who got hurt. I'm sorry. Those things happen. You didn't, you didn't save your money the right way. She can go to Stanford, but maybe the last two years. She can go to Stanford, but she has to take out some student loans. Don't ever take them under your name. Never. But Eric, if I'm going to sign up, do not co-sign for anybody. Unless you're going to go repossess the car and drive it, you do not co-sign for anybody. Because here's the number one collection agency in the world. Ready? In the world. It's called the IRS. An employee, you're going to get some Social Security. You're going to have a pension and some Social Security. And when you do, if you did not pay back the student loans, President Obama signed an executive order that allowed the IRS to go after your Social Security check when you did not pay your tax liabilities, your alimony, child support. Heck, you can even... Oh, wait, student loans. If you have a federally backed student loan, the federal government can go after it. The IRS can go after your... Social Security check. Now, they can't take all of it. I think they have to leave you $750 a month. But don't quote me on that. It's, it's somewhere around there. Certainly within seconds, you'll find it on Google. But right now, there's over 60, 60, 60,000 people currently in retirement collecting Social Security that have defaulted on student loans that have some of those wages garnished. Now, you know why I think having student loans is horrible? A lot of you fell for that trick. Well, I'm going to get a degree in art history, and you're working as a you know barista. I'm going to get a degree in... Uh, and then you start jumping down this road of, oh, I think we need minimum wage of $15 an hour. Why? What do companies do? They hire less people. It's not, your job is to not have a minimum wage job when you're 42 years old trying to raise a family of three. Well, they're not that smart and it's difficult. Well, you know what? It was difficult for me when I slept in my car. I had a house, but I had to work three jobs and I slept in my car. And even when I was in college, I slept in the back of my pickup truck <laughs> because in between classes, because I would work all night, I would study, I'd go to class, and then I'd have classroom, you know, classes later, I'd work later. So I'd sleep in my car. Oh, but it wasn't easy. You know what? Life isn't easy, kids. Take a look at the guys in World War II, what 18-year-olds were doing back then. And you're worried because you got a hangnail and somebody called you a bad name and you're offended, so you got to go, go to a cry corner, rock in a chair and have somebody give you a teddy bear and say it's okay. The men and women of this country are different. If you don't stand up, when you're retired, you're going to become a liability. And I don't want you to become a liability. Because the second worst thing to becoming a liability is being the one that has to pay for these strangers that failed to plan because they planned to fail because their whole time nobody told them the truth. And I think the out of look, part of the lie, if you will, about the pension is these people are sitting on their duffs at 48 years old collecting 80000 a year. Not true. Not true. And I don't think people earning a pension did anything wrong. And I don't think we shouldn't give it to them. I think we should. 
My problem is the politicians that promise something with the left hand and fail to prepare and plan with the right hand. That's my problem. It's called uh, plantation politics. You've heard that. Where through the creation of these voter block lock-ins, creating unions, that, that uh, public sector unions that get money from the state so that they can turn around and pay for the politician to give them pay raises, to get money to... When does that... How does that make sense? That's why when Scott Walker took a step, he stepped hard. Take a look at the numbers now for Wisconsin. See what he's done for that state. Right? He's changed it, turned it around. It is not impossible to fix that. It's not impossible to fix the state of California. The longer we go, the deeper in debt we go, the longer it's going to take and the more painful it's going to be because another part to fix this is going to be sorry folks you're not going to get a pay raise for a very long time and finally we're going to have to inflate the currency you remember what it was like when you had a $400 house payment and you thought that was a lot of money and now you make $2,000 in your social security and you're thinking this is great well $2,000 is going to have to be equivalent to 400 bucks someday that's the only way to do it we have to inflate the currency, not give you a pay raise, and tax the people that are working a much greater amount that puts into their pension, so it's going to be their own money. And then you got a chance at saving this in 20 years. It's the only way to do it. Because the rest of you that do not receive a pension, and that's most of Americans, by the way, it's 80% of you, you guys are going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to give people money for their pension, and nobody gave you money for your pension because you were self-employed, because you worked at a part-time job, because you chose to be a stay-at-home parent. So be very careful because the state of California is not your friend. Their goal is socialism. We have told you that before on this station. Everybody has. Plan and protect for yourself, all right? Yeah, that's our news. Uh, <laughs> that's our happy news for the day. Go out and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Thanks for listening to my special edition. I'm always concerned because I want you to prepare and plan and take care of your own family. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-99-RETIRE. Sign up for my May 30th event, 6 p.m. Give us a call, 888-99-RETIRE. Thanks for joining me on AM870, The Answer. Higher income strategy, I'll retire comfortably, thanks to Arab Halabi. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.